Up next is the daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 14. For they were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, Make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and made them all sit down. Now you need to know that 5,000 men in Scripture would mean easily twice that number when the women and the children were included in the number. Thus, to feed such a number as this would be well-formable, to say the least. Please note the organizational aspects that Jesus spoke of here. About 50 in each group. There was no chaos. There was no confusion in how Jesus was doing things here because as 1 Corinthians 14, 33 tells us, God is not the author of confusion. Now, I know there's always been those who speak against organized religion. Yet the fact remains that successful and godly ministry demands organization. A disorganized ministry is doomed to failure. Verse 16, he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to the sky, he blessed them, broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. They ate and were all filled. They gathered up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Now we are told in another gospel that Andrew scavenged around and he had found a boy with five loaves and two fishes. Apparently, that boy gave it up as a small offering, albeit impactful, um, but again, still small to meet such a large need. It seems that where the apostles failed in their faith, this small boy did not. Listen, God seeks what we have, no more, no less. He seeks that, that he might multiply it to meet the miraculous need before us. While Jesus did not need them or this offering to cover that situation, he does inexplicably seek our active participation just the same. Not only does he desire it, but he literally calls for it as a very real part of our walk before him. Romans 12, verse 1 in the New Living Testament says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be as a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? And then in Malachi 3:10 we read, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, let me prove it to you. And finally in Luke 6, verse 38, it says, If you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure what is given back to you. The apostles finally did what Jesus wanted them to do from the beginning. They brought what they had to him. 
You see, it didn't need to be a lot, just what they had. Once presented to him, he did the miraculous and he multiplied the offering and he met the need. It wouldn't have mattered that day if there was 50,000 souls to feed. And it wouldn't have mattered if there had only been one fish between all of them. You see, the magnitude of the challenge is not the issue here. Rather, the hearts of the disciples. The text tells us the people all ate and they were all filled. And in the end, there were 12 baskets of food left over. You see, that's the way God works. Many of us can tend to stand back and let others do the serving and the giving. It's a rather easy thing to do in a fellowship where others are so willing to fill those needs. But know this, it is our loss when we attempt to hold on to what is all God's anyway. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30 says, Jesus said, Most certainly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land for my sake and for the sake of the good news, but he will receive 100 times more now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, land, and with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. Verse 18 of our text says, And he was praying alone, and the disciples were near him, and he asked them, Who do the multitudes say that I am? And they answered, John the baptizer, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the old prophets has risen again. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered, The Christ of God. Jesus, it seems, knew what was coming. It seemed he clearly knew that the battle was ahead and he knew how it would all end. Thus he did what we all should do in such times of great spiritual war. He prayed. It's an interesting fact that if Jesus felt it necessary to pray in such times, how is it that we so often think we can go without it? Now one has to ask that question, why would Jesus pray? I mean, after all, he was deity. Yes, but he prayed also because he was all man. And men must seek direction from the commander-in-chief, especially in times such as this. At least they do if they want to win. His disciples joined him in this moment. They had now survived the onslaught and had remained diligent thus far. They were still standing. When the going gets tough, when the battle gets intense, it is then we find out what we really are made of. I mean, anyone can carry on when the way is clear and safe and our uniforms are clean and pressed. It's during the heat of the battle when things get messy that we find out what we're really made out of. It is during those times that As a pastor, I discover just who serves beside me, who is faithful, who is loyal. Some will seek to move on in these times to more exciting and less dangerous venues. Some will tire of the routine and tire of the service and will drift away off from the front. But there are, thank God, always those few who will meet the intensity 
with the understanding that victory is near and they want to be a part of it. Jesus asked his boys what the people were saying. Now, please note that he was not interested in what the kings and the rulers thought of him, nor did he care about the opinion of the church down the street. He was asking what the people thought, those who were lost and seeking, those he was trying to reach. People did not know at this point what was happening. Their response was very much like the opinion uh, of the great masses today. I mean, some said Jesus was a prophet, some a good teacher. But Jesus was and is looking for something more from us, okay? Ultimately, it was not so much about public opinion, the groupthink of that day, but rather what each individual thought. So he asked them the most important question of their lives, the most important question of our lives, and I guess that of all of mankind. Well, the question is posed to more than just Peter herein. Christ is asking each of us today, who do you say that I am? That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Tim Dodson and Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com. Okay.